I'm Tim Burrows from Unmade. There was a big move at the Havas Australia Group back in February. The announcement of the return of James Wright as CEO of Havas Creative Network, while Gail Weil joined as boss of host Havas. Four months on, they've had time to get their feet under the desk and get through the first hundred days. James first arrived in Australia 12 years ago and made a name for himself quickly in the PR space, re-energising Havas's The Red Agency and as an authoritative voice on the wider PR industry. He's been with Havas ever since, most recently running its PR operation out of New York. Under his new remit, which brings him back to Australia, where he's been for a few months now, James will take responsibility for agencies including creative agency Host Havas, PR agencies Red Havas and One Green Bean, and specialist entertainment communications agency Organic. Welcome, James. Thanks, Tim. It's been a while, so it's good to reconnect. And Gail Weil joins after an agency career similarly split between the UK and Australia. Most recently, she was over at Dentsu and also spent more than four years with Clemenger BBDO, along with three years at customer experience shop Lavender. Welcome, Gail. Hi, Tim. Nice to be here. Well, the obvious place to start is Host Havas. Now, James, although you've had creative agencies in your reporting line, Host is relatively new to you. And uh, Gail, you're new to the group, but know the creative agency world well. Um, There's probably never been a more appropriate time to rethink what creative agencies do and how they do it. So perhaps an unfair question after um, just a few months, but what's the vision? No, I think for us, you know, within our creative group in Australia, you know, we are really looking to do what we've always done is to be the most integrated network, you know, in the world and in and in Australia. And so host of us as our creative agency is the very forefront of that. And so whilst we'll continue to do traditional advertising, we also are looking to do things a little bit differently in terms of how we think about creative. For me, you know, creative um the holy grail for creative is an idea that lives in any channel. It's something that you can see as an advert, but you can hear about on breakfast TV, in print, in outdoor, on your social feed, what you talk about at the water cooler, down the pub, on the radio. It has a cultural relevance and an impact. And and that is what I call borderless creative. And that's the kind of work that we want to do a host of us. And we have done in the past. And we really want to continue that because with the continued diversification of eyes and ears into the ever expanding number of channels feeds and platforms that we've got, um, we need to be better at reaching, uh, you know, audiences. So if you have an idea that can live anywhere, that it's borderless and can reach more people in more places, this, I think, gives it the greatest chance to be memorable and effective. So for us at Host of Us, it's about kind of really leaning into that and, um, you know, creating that one story, but that it lives in many shapes in many different channels. Um, And I think that that's where ideas are the most powerful. Well, I think we'll come back and build more on amplification of ideas as we go. Um, Gail, um, I'll invite you to, to 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 build up on that point because obviously you're you're building the vision for the, for the for the agency specifically. Host of us has always been notorious for creativity that thrives in an attention poor world, whether that's through the podcast for AFP or Palau Pledge, and I think. What we're really looking to do is to continue taking that theme of using creative ingenuity 
um, so broader than just normal comms, to really create culture. And whether that's the new routes to market, which you know we can do with access to the media intelligence we have through the village, or whether that's through products or services. I think for us, it's really looking at how we can become the creative kind of growth accelerator to our clients, helping them not just to grow, but to really grow well. So to grow with real sustainability and a future focus and to do so with a net positive impact on the world as well, rather than just growth at any cost and growth in the short term, taking that longer term view. Well, let's get to the to the elephant in the room. Um, we 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 usually record this podcast a few days before we put it up, and just a few hours before we recorded this one, news came through that your ECD John Austin is departing. He's joining his former Havas colleagues Laura Aldington and Simone Gupta in launching a new independent agency. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that wasn't entirely the plan. I think, you know, um, John and Laura have created amazing work together and, and John has a real passion for bringing entertainment and different forms of creativity to life. So I think this is a real opportunity for for them to find more opportunities to do that with, with different types of clients and in, in lots and lots of different ways. John actually left um, Host of Us um, a couple of months ago. Um, and so this has been something they've been building towards and we've been excitingly cheering from the sidelines. We do have a new um, creative leader and new executive creative director within Host of Us, um, Justin Rubin. And we're so excited about the breadth of capability and experience that Justin brings. So exciting times ahead, both from a Host of Us perspective, but also for, for John and Laura and Simone in their new venture. And tell me about Justin's qualities. So what really excited, you know, James, Ollie and myself when we were kind of interviewing and meeting Justin is I think his energy that he brings for creating work that is um, different shaped, but also really, really leaning into clients' needs and consumer behaviours. So I think, first of all, he's making sure that from a creative perspective, an idea is actually answering something. It isn't just adding to creative pollution that's out there. And I think that's something that James McGrath in particular built into me is why is it an idea? What is it going to do? How is it going to perform? And what difference does it make? This is your former sort of creative partner, James McGrath, yeah. who was a, a creative chairman over at uh, Clems. And, and produce some of the, the, the industry's most kind of long-lasting and effective work. And I think it's because of that kind of rigor first up and, and not wanting to just add to creative pollution. And I think Justin has got a great reputation from the work that he's done at Droga 5 um, in New York, as well as at CHEP here, and in really being able to marry together, I think, that real consumer behavior or consumer insight as to where they are, where their eyeballs or the, the kind of ears are through to the business need and also kind of telling it in a really interesting brand experience way as well so that it, it really is bigger than the, the sum of its parts. So I'll come, I'll bring James back in in a moment. Something I'm interested, you, you, you mentioned a phrase a couple of times, creative pollution. What does that mean? I think there's, um, as we have more channels and we have more ways of bringing ideas into the world, sometimes we're just making more um, and we're not necessarily making more meaningfully. And I think, you know, one of the, the Havas 
vision statements is around making a meaningful difference for brands, businesses, and, and people. And I think we take that into the work that we're creating as well. Is it actually going to make a meaningful impact to the KPIs of the client? Is it going to make a meaningful impact to the consumer in where we're saying and what we're saying? And I think having more rigor on that will actually create a lot more effectiveness in the work. So James, previously we had um, Anthony Friedman running the local group from London. Uh, he left last year. Um, we've now got you running the full creative network locally and also continuing to run PR globally. So you're, you're spending some time in, in, in New York still. Um, does, does location matter less now, do you think? I think there's certainly an openness now to being able to do your job from from anywhere within reason. I think you've still got to spend, you know, a, a, a significant amount of time in with the team, particularly in a market like Australia, where you know I think the the work and the creative is is you know already quite integrated in the sense that you know in the US, for example, traditional advertising, even earned media, has a lot lot of runway left for it, with it. So what I want to do here is is requires me to be here, you know, regularly to to really drive that um, idea of integration. So you know, I live here now, moved back here, uh, you know, just before um, Christmas. I've been sort of back running the, the Australian group probably since the middle of last year. Um, and sort of doing a lot of the architect uh, around sort of bringing in people like Gail and Justin and some others that we've had and some of the reshaping of the leadership in the other agencies. But I kind of spend, you know, a couple of months here, then I'll go back to New York. I go back to New York on Monday for two weeks and then I'm back again. Um, you know, I've spent the last four and a half years building out the global PR network and really rationalizing some of the brands that we have there so that, that people can better understand the Havas um, PR group. Uh, you know, hired some fantastic people. We're doing some incredible work across Europe and the Middle East and the US, um, Singapore. We're also due to launch, um, you know, in other parts of the world, there's some acquisitions that we've got planned in the PR group. So I've kind of got all of that set up. I'm quite happy about it, but it's super exciting to be back in Australia and, and really to develop, you know, the next phase of the Habas journey here, because, you know, I know the market so well. Um, you know, I've just been at a couple of conferences over the last few weeks and just met up with so many people that, that, you know, reconnecting with has been has been fantastic. But I think, you know, there's still that hunger here to to want to lead the world in in creative thinking. And, you know, I think that the last few years, it's been tough. Everyone's been head down, bottom up, trying to get work through and work out the door. Now, I think it's a wonderful opportunities for all to for us all to, to look at, you know, for us, particularly have us, you know, who are we? Where are we going? And what do we want to be? And so that's, you know, now with all of the new leadership we have across the group, that's what we're really kind of now focused on. Gail, you were nodding at that point. Yeah, I think it's about bringing back our creative confidence, not just as Havas, but the ripple effect into the industry that that can have. I think with so many different headwinds being thrown at us, we've probably lost some of that swagger or some of that that kind of bravery, I guess, in the creative work. And I think now is a, a brilliant time as an industry for all of us to really show, you know, we've got great talent here. We've got an embarrassment of riches when it comes to creative talent it's really giving them the the briefs the opportunities and the 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 kind of ways of shining and, and leading again from that global stage and james just before we go on i just want to go back to a point you made which i thought was interesting i think about what it says about the world of media and pr i think the phrase you you used was that um there's still some runway for earned media which i guess the way i'm interpreting that is that um you know, there are just less media opportunities as as traditional media shrinks. Is 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 that what you were thinking when you said that, or am I misunderstanding your point? 
Well, that was my specific point was in the US, there's just so much more runway left with their media versus a market like Australia, where it continues to, to shrink. And it's shrinking in the US for sure. But, you know, it's still such a massive media market. And it's really, you know, you can't just approach the US as the US. It's a series of micro markets across different regions of, of the country. You know, but, you know, in the PR world, we talk about earning conversation as much as earning coverage, right? So earning conversation in digital, in social, you know, through um, people talking to each other, right? So that talkability of an idea. And, you know, you see it, all of the big and, and the great sort of creative campaigns. You see them at the case films in Cannes or at DNAD or, at the, you know, as you will recall at Mumbrella Awards, they always have those earned components of this was not just something that was an ad, but it was talked about in, you know, on breakfast TV, on radio. And, you know, it was part of the culture of the zeitgeist of the moment, particularly those campaigns that were iconic and continue to live well beyond that period of time and people remember and that's really what we're about creating those memorable campaigns but i think in a world where trust has now become such a massive issue you know the the uh the need to take an idea beyond its traditional advertising roots is absolutely critical and depending on which research you know you you follow but you know if you say that you know only 15 percent of traditional advertising is recalled and correctly attributed to a brand you know, that would suggest that, you know, 85% of the ad spend is wasted, right? So how do we go about doing things a little bit differently? And that's, you know, what we've always done. And certainly, you know, when I arrived in Australia, you know, 12 years ago, you know, that was the idea we really wanted to to own between myself and at the time the UCD, Steve Cole, and the um, CEO, Anthony Gregorio, where, you know, we had this whole concept of, of really driving and becoming integrated because, you know, Havas is one of the smaller holding groups, right? So we have to do things differently. We have to challenge the way things are done. And so, you know, I've kind of taken, you know, that idea and really now kind of evolved it over time. And obviously there's multiple channels, there's different social platforms. The concept of influencer has really grown up in the in, in recent years, taking all of the opportunities and touch points and ways in which you can create surround sound around a brand to really bring it to the fore. And now kind of working here at, you know, have us across Australia, New Zealand, where you've got agencies that specialize in all of these parts, bringing those people together, you know, you know, in an integrated and genuinely integrated way to, to bring greater solutions to business problems and business challenges that our clients have is, you know, it's a real privilege and also just super, super exciting. I think it's so inspiring because it enables us to really look at ideas which create or are driven by culture rather than just follow it. And I think that is something that, you know, Again, to what to what James is saying, you know, our water cooler moments are now on Instagram or on shared platforms where we're in the moment reacting to different things and also having to relinquish an element of control creatively to co-creators or to influencers and things like that. So I think what it really gives us as a, a kind of integrated creative offering is just so much more scope and so much more understanding that our creative teams are constantly inspired or have just so many different ways and angles to tackle briefs and opportunities and i think um james it's, it's interesting the point that you made there about when you sort of came into what was then the red agency and your your you, you know the way that you work with steve cole i think the agency would have the creative agency would have still been called urrscg then but obviously it's now have ass um i yeah and i i can think about some of the conversations i had with you and steve early in that time and and how it probably changed the way that i thought about the role of pr i i i think the first time we crossed paths was when the there was a louis the fly campaign in which 
it was uh, the the first PR announcement was that Louis the Fly was being killed off, and um, and then of course he was saved, as was the plan with the with the public outcry. And I remember at the time thinking this was a terribly cynical thing to do, and I think that was where philosophically we were at odds. But I must admit, I think I've perhaps come round to the to the view now that perhaps the public are a little bit more in in on the joke than we think or they 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 you know they they actually are you know maybe just a bit more sort of media savvy now so that there's possibly a chance to be i think the word adam ferrier once uses playful about that sort of thing but um but yeah i um so yeah so i suppose 12 years later this is my way of saying yeah you were right <laughs> No, I mean, I love that campaign. It was Kill or Save Louis the Fly. And, you know, we'd architect that out over, I mean, many, many late nights. And, and you know, I do. And, I, you know, I still love that period of time where I'd spend, you know, a lot of time with the creative teams you know, working together on an idea and really gamifying where it can go and what happens if this happens. And also it was quite unusual some of the, you know, creatives because Steve was trying to mold those creatives into more kind of um, – sort of holistic thinkers about where a story can go because normally you create an advert you own it you control it and you put it out whereas actually we were like you know we need to be able to maneuver ourselves depending on how this plays out and that's where really that you know pr confidence comes from that i would bring to say actually you know if this happens this is what we can do and this is the way in which we can we can develop it and of course you know um that sort of brand love around louis the fly was always you know gonna be there um, you know, there was other campaigns we did around, you know, you know, sponsoring the the White House for Vanish Nappy Sand, which you you will recall as well. You know, where we went to try to the US during the US debt crisis at that period of time, where we tried to, you know, put a giant neon sign on top of the White House that you know was sponsored by Vanish Nappy Sand. And uh, um, you know, a lot of it was really fun. You've got to choose the right brand and the right um, moment and, and and the right way in which you go out out to do that because. Um, you know, you don't want to choose the wrong kind of uh, sort of story or issue or brand that, that actually then it's going to sort of, you know, have some kind of backlash. I mean, always these with these things when you're when you're playing with earned media and earned conversation and, and, you know, asking the public and you're not quite sure exactly how they react. We think we know what the how they're going to react. But, you know, actually going with with that and, and you're seeing that now more and more as you know the proliferation of these channels continue to evolve that there's lots of multiple ways in which you're receiving feedback from not just, you know, consumers, but every single stakeholder and particularly employees now as well, actually, about, you know, what you're doing with your brand. You know, the, the sort of the, the sort of pyramid authority for your employees has flipped during the pandemic, if you like, and they're much more active in wanting to know who you are, where you're going and what you're doing. And they're more on the contentious issues and more the social issue side of your uh, of your brand and what you're doing you know, as a, as a social citizen, as opposed sorry, corporate citizen in a social setting, as opposed to like having fun with a brand, which was, you know, which is what we were doing at that time. And a uh, question for both of you, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with Gail. It, talking of brands, I mean, agencies are brands in their own right. And I, you know, I, I, I think there would have been a time when people would have mentioned one green bean very, very early in their list of the most interesting or innovative at PR agencies in Australia. Um, and similarly, they, they would have talked about the kind of the work of, um, host as it was then and then became host have as you know being the, particularly the, the execution was, was, was often brilliant. And they, they had quite an unusual, um, sort of methodology of almost like an outsourced, 
you know, creative production side with the, yes, with the relationship with the Glue Society is, um, what, what do you want the agency to stand for going forward? And, and can you be as distinctive now it's part of a global network? I think we can be more distinctive. And I think that is partly, you know, calling on the, the broader village creative talent and kind of minds as well. I think diversity of thought is really going to be what helps drive forward our kind of next era of creative output. Um, and I think it is being able to go, we can bring really smart brand thinking and ideation and some of that bigger thought. But now we just have so many more canvases in order to bring it to life that we need to, to understand more from the likes of One Green Bean and, and things like that to really leverage those to the right balance to achieve the right outcome. So I think hosts have asked, have been doing some of that kind of differentiating work and really high crafted work. If we look at Allow Palau and kind of all the Palau pledge work as well as AFP and, and you know, there are probably bits that we're doing for other clients that go a little bit more under the radar and don't have all of that coverage. I think for us, it's really the journey of consistency and making sure that we're, we're doing it across more of the briefs and the opportunities that we get moving forward and really unlocking the full potential, I think, of the, the creative firepower that we've got across all of the village. And James, I guess the same question on on One Green Bean. Was it just like a time and a place? And at the, at the time, it was a very distinctive, I guess, founder-led agency. Um, can it um, can it make itself as famous again? Do you think? Well, it's um, just early this year. We did win Ad Agency. Sorry, Ad, yeah, Ad News PR Agency of the Year. So it's doing a lot of things right, and attracts still a very, very impressive, world class sort of bench of brands and talent actually you know i've done a lot of work with them you know in the certainly in the second half and the last quarter of last year as we sort of reshape the leadership now it's a young all-female leadership team um you know it, at that time though when you go back to when it was you know made famous really around it it was one of the first kind of advocates for integrating you know social ideas and social ideation that, that also were again leaning very much into cultural relevancy of that moment and coming up with with big thinking big ideas and putting creative first and almost kind of the the way in which it would play into earned sort of secondary um because it might play more in social it might play more in, in, a, in a stunty event concept uh so just was a first mover in that space and then obviously that a lot of the market then sort of followed as as that as that has evolved but you know we we will always maintain the integrity of, of the one green bean brand and it, it continues to attract as I say great brands and wins business we've you know we've won two or three pieces of business the last few weeks we've also launched as you know which uh, sort of as a sort of a adjacent to one green bean an organi- an, an agency called organic which is really an agency that's focused on entertainment tv film you know, obviously with our Vivendi ownership, you know, we own, you know, a movie studio in Studio Canal. We own a TV network in Canal Plus, which is one of the biggest TV networks in the world. We have a significant stake in Universal Music Group, the world's largest music uh, portfolio. Makes absolute sense that we would then launch um, uh, an agency, a publicity PR agency in that space. And so Organic, you know, launched um, not that long ago. We're now already working with 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 Apple, with the agency for South by Southwest, which is coming here, and we had Hugh Forrest, the global CEO, here in the agency last week as we took him round, and I, you know, I spent some time with him talking about, you know, how we can, you know, maximise South by in, in Australia, and it and it um, is, is 
one a couple of new business opportunities that will come apart come, come apparent in the next few weeks which are major sort of game changers for them and and you know so you know i've got, then got red which is you know has has kind of grown from this one agency in australia that i took across apac and now i've taken across the world and is now the global brand so this is the first ever pr agency that's become a global brand within a holding group that started in Australia. So Red Agency became Red Havas. We're in 14 markets. We'll be in 17 markets by the end of the year. We just won Campaign's Global PR Agency of the Year um, just a, a month or so ago, which was quite incredible. Um, but, you know, there's still work to do with all of these brands. You know, we're on a journey. We've got to keep thinking like, you know, playing like we're second best, like I always would, would was always taught in the sports world. So we want to maintain the integrity of those, but also the space. So, you know, you know, I remember being asked, oh, you know, you've got One Green Bean, you've got Red, two of the best known, biggest agencies in the market. Why do you want to launch a new agency? Like, you know, why do we have organic? And it's actually because, well, we've, we have that. That's part of our group's DNA. And I'm sure you saw... Um, Tim, that we've just launched a new brand as well, you know, the new Havas brand, which is really to get all of the agencies more unified, unified behind Havas. And that really is also a reflection of then the ownership and how we are at the crossroads of entertainment and marketing communications. And I think that comes through very much strongly in, in that new brand identity, which I think is much more bold. I think it's more progressive. It's quite sexy in many ways. If a logo could be sexy, like in our world, uh, but that's kind of it's how it's been reflected back to me by our teams, but also most importantly by clients. Yeah, I think you know if you look at we have such smarts and strategic smarts within host of us in particular, but across um, have us creatively pair that with what we're unlocking through entertainment and the vendi, and you start to see where there is a kind of new era of creativity or a space. For an agency like Host Havas and Havas Creative to really grow into and kind of make their own and, and, and become really ownable. We've got some exciting work coming out for some clients that we can't kind of mention now, but kind of August. Every of- creative agency boss always tells me that. Yeah, There's always well, something in the pipeline. <laughs> There's something in production, not just in the pipeline, Tim, actually in production that I think will also start to reestablish the tone for, from our work creatively from that production and that craft perspective as well. It's really, really interesting. And as soon as it comes out, you'll notice it and you'll phone Tim and say, that's what you were talking about. But <laughs> kind of mid-August, that's coming. But I think it, it's really exciting. We have that advantage that the other holding companies don't have in Vivendi. And it's really how we organize ourselves around to, to harness that and, and really leverage it here in Australia. Now you are uh, one of the first agency leaderships to have the opportunity to retool in the age of generative AI. On the one hand, it's early days, but on the other hand, I guess the world's known about ChatGPT for six months now. Um, How will uh, generative AI change the way that you run the business, do you think? Yeah, so we've been using generative AI uh, in various agencies over the last three or four years, actually, in terms of creating copying, in terms of creating imagery. Um, there's also a bit of a sort of watch out with, you know, what is being churned out at the moment around copyright. So in in general, presently, we're using it to as an inspiration sort of platform to give us ideas and different ways of thinking around copy and creative and, and imagery. Uh, so that's kind of how we're, we're looking at it at the moment. But we've got teams, literally, you know, hundreds of people looking at this across our group as to how it can be better used in different parts of our group. It's a fascinating period of time. Um, so 
At the moment, we've just been very careful, though, about how it's being used and where it's being used, just to, and clients are now as well. Although it's funny, you know, I've been to, like uh, I mentioned, I've been to two or three conferences in the last few months here in Australia, and suddenly everybody's an AI expert. And, you know, I can honestly <laughs> say that um, we have expertise, have us as a major holding group, but really, come on, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of a bit much to have so many people now claiming to be AI experts. I think we all just need to be honest that we're all learning this as it continues to evolve and 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 develop and so you know but but certainly it's going to play a massive role in the creative ideation going forward it's just how much of it can we allow it to um or are we able to at this stage images in our presentations look a lot better because we're using it and it's it is the whole co-pilot aspect that we're kind of trialing a lot more at the moment you know um images for concepts and things like that that we would have been looking for stock image is for it's just a lot easier for us to to put through generative ai and um, i think we're having lots of fun with it just an internal little project so that we all understand it and we know kind of parts of its capability without putting necessarily you know we're definitely not putting client data and things like that through it at the moment it's more how do we make up little poems for, for internal meetings and stuff like that? We're, we're kind of pushing creativity in our own fun way and for our own curiosity. And I presume as well as that opportunity, there's also the, 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 the challenge that, you know, just some of that basic production stuff is going to become outsourceable to, uh, you know, the repetitive stuff will become outsourceable to AI, which obviously, hey, potentially creates a saving probably for the client, but also presumably then affects headcount, but maybe also the remuneration model. Do you think you're going to have to talk differently to clients about how you charge for the thinking that you do? I think so. I think that's been a long ongoing kind of debate, though. It, it sits alongside in-housing and, and lots of other things that we've seen as natural shifts. There's also, you know, just in general, the ability to to repurpose assets or, or um, adapt assets has become a lot simpler and there are more tools that are accessible to people of all different levels. So I think that's been a, a conversation we've had in many different ways. I think it's for us, it's also looking at what that unlocks. So from a strategic point of view, how much more valuable is content planning and actually setting the frameworks for how some of that content can be deployed. We're talking to a client at the moment going, actually, we could use a form of AI to inform the dynamic nature of the content that's appearing on certain pages of your website and actually bring in ones of different color. And all those images can be updated far more effectively through AI. So it's actually giving us smarter solutions for clients, which at the end of the day is, is kind of why we're here. And are you, you mentioned clients, are you ready to now already start strategically chasing new business? Are you, are you, are you structured as you want to be? And if so, what, what is a good client fit? I think from a host of us perspective in particular, a good client fit for us is a client where we have real partnership on their journey of growth. So we really want to help our clients not just grow, but as we said before, kind of grow well and sustainably. And I think for that, it really is about us having a true partnership, which is from the business growth and the commercials so that we can make sure that the CMOs are unlocking budget in the long term, not just being judged on the performance of today. 
but also then being able to to build forward for them and, and look at new technologies or look at how all of that should be impacting their way of working as much as our partnership as well. So I think we do really well with long-term relationships versus kind of project-based, let's just look at this and get it out. So for us, our, our clients are those collaborative, future-focused and very growth-orientated um, clients who want to do it with a as kind of a, with good and purpose in there as well. We know that you know seventy five percent of brands, you know, consumers wouldn't care if they they weren't around tomorrow. We want to work with the, the brands that that want to be purposeful and want to be meaningful in, in clients in consumers' lives. James, tell me about meaningful brands. Yeah, so we believe that to be a meaningful brand, a truly meaningful brand you know, you need to, to grow well. And that's, to, to Gail's point, that's something we've really kind of started to, to play with as, a, as an organization and we've really rallied around. So we can help you grow, but we really want to help you grow well and become that more meaningful, sticky sort of uh, brand that, 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 that brings brand love from consumers, from its stakeholders, that brings that stickiness around uh, around the brand. and there's, But also that concept of grow well and being a meaningful brand is, is applied to all facet, facets of the agency and its role. So, you know, grow well in creative, of course, but, you know, we also want you to grow well through the culture of the agency and you know, to grow your career with us. But also we want to grow well in the community as, you know, our impact um, as, you know, st- strategists and, and, uh, and, and, a, and an agency that comes up with great ideas can also affect positive and progressive change within our communities, you know, to tackle the social issues of the day. So I think we also want to recognise that we need to be a meaningful brand. So that role in community is also important to us. Changing subjects slightly. I mentioned in the introduction that you sort of also had a, a voice within the wider PR industry, including um, uh, you were on the PRIA, the PR Institute's uh, RCG, which was the main um, kind of committee for agencies. See from your your LinkedIn, you recently stepped back from that. Um, is the PR Institute still fit for purpose? Do you think? Well, actually, yeah, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the PRIA Agency Leaders Retreat up at the Hunter Valley that was organised, and um, Shane Allison, the president, and Chris Savage, who's the president, I think, or the chairman of the RCG committee, invited me, and so it was good to go up there and spend, you know. A um, couple of days with 40 or 50 PR leaders, um, I was a bit sort of unsure as to whether I should go and spend three days out of the office. But it was was a great time, you know, to actually understand where the industry is, reconnect with a few people, talk about all of the issues as they see it. Um, you know, I, I still think that the PR industry has a, you know, it seems to be an echo chamber to talk about its own issues to itself, as opposed to getting out in front of big issues of the day and actually stand for something beyond you know, just the, just as an industry body standing just for issues that they, that just affect the, the PR industry, I think it should be uh, standing for issues that are socially relevant to the audiences that we are trying to reach for our clients, um, you know, which I think the Ad Council does a great job with. And so that's something that they're wrestling with right now. I know that they've got plans to change their constitution. There's a conversation around, um, you know, a name change that's all happening there, which I think are all conversations that are important to, to be had. Um, but I was quite, you know, excited by the fact that those conversations were starting to, to be had. I think there's a lot of people are quite comfortable in their own skin in the, in the PR industry. And so actually my job I've always seen is to, if you, is that if you want to be a leader, you've got to be out leading and therefore you've got to push the agenda. You know, what is the plus one to what is, you know, the, the right now, what, what more can we do? What more can we be saying? Um, so, you know, I've, I've always believed that, 
you know, particularly even now in the last few years where, you know, strategic communications has never been more important. You know, I've never had so many conversations with CEOs and C-suite about tackling the big issues of the day, particularly being based in the US where you had so many, so much going on. I, I talk about the last few years was sort of defined by the three Ps. You know, you had the pandemic, you had polarized politics, and then you had a lot of protests about almost everything from abortion to social justice to the to the vaccine to the war in Ukraine. And brands getting caught up in that and actually, you know, how do we actually help navigate? Because I don't think it's ever been a more tricky time for an executive to manage all of that, particularly with a very active now employee base that are only becoming more active around what are you doing to support me and my career, but actually also what are you doing as a brand to help the communities in which we operate? And so I think for for, for me, I think the PR industry has a step to take here in Australia in particular to do that. Whereas I think, you know, if you look at like the PR council in the US are much more active um, in that space because they're more regularly dealing, we're more regularly dealing with brands that are being more, you know, crit- criticized and or affected by um, major issues as they develop. You know, you take the Twitter piece, you know, should you be on Twitter or not on Twitter now after the um, everything that's happened there long before Elon Musk, that conversation was happening. But, you know, is it is it is it is it something that we actually should be doing? Should it you know, these kind of conversations come up in, in a lot more regularly? TikTok has come up, you know, the issue around, um, you know, don't say gay in Florida. We have a lot of clients that are Florida based. You know, how do you how you know, how do you react to that and get involved in that as Disney has, has, has done? So I think all of those issues has meant that PR has never been or strategic communications has never been more important to our clients but equally, it's never been more tricky to try and navigate these choppy waters. There is loads more I could get into, but unfortunately, I think time is going to beat us. So a final question for both of you. What would your supporters say about you? And what would your critics say about you? Who wants to go first with that one? <laughs> I'll go first. What would my supporters say? I think my supporters would probably say, enthusiasm and passion um, and kind of a a, a real love for clients. Um, I think my detractors would say too much of a love for clients. (laughs) That sounds like one of those interview answers. I care too much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm too, too into it. I'm probably a bit relentless. That's what a detractor would say. (laughs) And James. Yeah, but I'm obsessed with the the work and and you know trying to to do work that you know gets noticed and makes you know hopefully other agencies jealous about the work and trying to create high performing teams that are based around that become and that become exactly that really really strong together teams and I've been very fortunate a lot of people that have been part of my Havas journey have followed me to different parts of the world and whether that's within the the advertising agency or in, indeed in the PR businesses, they've all, you know, have helped champion people all around the network, some of which have returned now to Australia in recent times as well. Um, So I think, you know, uh, having that kind of, I guess, blend of being able to understand and help people with their careers, but also, you know, help, you know, clients do the type of work that that actually is effective. In terms of, I think, um, what people say in terms of things I need to to work on, I think it's, um, a lot of people tell me to slow down. You know, I'm constantly badgering people to get you know do things quicker faster bigger better bolder um so just you know slow down a bit you know perhaps people aren't ready for what i'm trying to bring to the table um which is you know fair enough i guess uh yeah and so um there's that but then i think also you know recognizing that you know not everybody's like me so uh 
you know, sometimes I need to re-remind myself about. That's a good note to end on. Gail and James, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Today's episode was produced by Sage Al Zaidi and edited by our friends at Abe's Audio. More soon. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.